Welcome to Ms. Lyric's Poetry Outlaws. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Poetry, it makes nothing happen. And that's a beautiful thing. Ah, uh, translation. We're on chapter five of the other 23 and a half hours. Uh, every single practice in this book that I discuss, I have undertaken myself except for two of them. One is translation. I mean, I've done it on an extremely amateur level uh, where I've translated French poems for my own pleasure, but I have never published any translation. I've had a few of my poems translated. And the other one is that I've never run a radio show, though now I'm running a poetry podcast. So that's quite similar and today's way of uh, engaging in that oral medium. But I say in this chapter, I feel translation is one of the most challenging acts one can undertake as a writer. I used to read a ton of translated poetry when I was younger, and now I find it, I get frustrated with it because I feel the lack, the dearth, the difficulty leaping from one language to the other, and that possibly too much is lost. But I will read this description of what a translator is doing with poetry. And then read a poem from one of the main poets that I talked to, Steve Noyes, who has translated both from Chinese and from Arabic. So I say translators often know the language they are translating from well, but many translators of poetry are poets who don't necessarily comprehend the language they are working with. One of these might be uh, Steve Hyten, who's translated a lot of poetry from languages he doesn't know that well, but he's used a, a, a translator, a dictionary, and then applied his own poetic craft. So each poem requires the poet to choose whether the original poem's meter will be as closely followed as possible, or say rhyme scheme, or diction choice, or if the goal will be to approximate the meaning and thus sacrifice the oral qualities of the original piece. So something not to forget is that when you translate, you're basically creating an entirely new creation in English and not just a replication of what it was in the former language. So um, as, as well as uh, Steve Hyten, um, Steve Noyes, uh, he used to live in Victoria. He's living in England now, and he knows both Chinese and Arabic. He's lived in China and uh he sees translating for him as a form of play. And so just the process of translating, whether or not you publish the translation, is useful for the poetic mind because it really helps you to understand how important word choice is. He says, the value of translation, among other linguistic practices, is that it provides different ways to enjoy language. And I believe that it contributes to the poet being able to come up with the right word with the right sound, shape, and texture when they need it. And I can tell you from having read Steve Noyes' poetry for some time that he knows what the right word is, and it's often lexically difficult. His work is full of allusions and lots of uh, textural depths. So enjoy! Here's one of Steve Noyes' poems, All That Was Desired. Among the shapes come down from the modern medieval period is the stylized and elongated hypotenuse of the Roofline Corporation's logo, its steady ascension near every Springfield exit. Statistics is the description of abyssay. Abyssay! Do you see? It's tough. Statistics is the description of abyssay 
moms and pops up and close shop, rather than confront the roofline juggernaut, retired to aircon and powdered iced tea while their basement kids began to climb Mount Credit. At first, a furious burgeoning as trucks brought all that was desired pallet upon pallet under the friendly roofline lay earth's coated fungibles from factories on jungle fringes, from docks blue with the effusions of forklift motors, aisles of the riveted, the crimped and heat sealed, and spring fielders ka-ching their barbecues and fish tank-sized TVs. Then the brief zenith zip towards investor pessimism, layoffs until there were only a few jobs left, poorly paid, Others quit to mind the grandkids. Remaining staff dealt with a narrower community until glass smashed under the abscissa and we the people carted off the cases of KD, the cappuccino makers, a strong demand curve, and roofline came to echo in the rust and snow of swing sets, handsaws and gazebos cluttering Springfield's garages and backyards. In the apron with the boom and doom roofline folded for years in a drawer after the math moved on to newer markets in the pioneering way. Phew! Steve. You've been listening to Ms. Lyric's Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians. <laughs>